Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Monthly Movie Dispatch, the show where we get together every month and we talk about the movies that we liked and we disliked and what we'd recommend, what we wouldn't recommend. The thing that differentiates us from the other 100,000 movie-related shows on YouTube and the rest of the internet is that we're high school friends and we'd be talking about movies even if no one was listening. I'm Nick Moffitt, and I'm in Marysville, Washington. We've got Brandon Bowlby in New York. How's it going? got Derek and Everett. Hello. Everett Washington, sorry. And uh, Sean Bowlby in Seattle. Hey. Hey. So uh, how you doing, guys? How's uh, how's the month been for you? It's been a really good month in film. I think we have some super solid picks this time. Yeah. I'm really happy I, I think it. so. I think so too, man. Uh, the thing is, though, all of our movies are like super indies. Like we don't really have any like yeah. big uh, movies to talk about. We're still in the lockdown. I mean, I don't want to say we're locked down as much, but um, I mean, pff, coronavirus still running wild, and uh, movie theaters aren't really open. I mean, some of them are, but you know, we're not we're not going to them at least around where we're at. And so, yeah, we picked four movies um, that are available for anyone to watch at home, and. Uh, we're going to review them, talk about them, and uh, also we have a film club segment. Um, but before we get going, um, I've got some warm-up questions for you guys. So who's ready for your warm-up questions? Let's do it. I'm ready. Great. Um, okay, so the first one is Ron Howard-themed, because Brandon picked a Ron Howard movie for his pick, um, which he did change, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Apollo 13 or A Beautiful Mind? Go. Apollo beautiful 13. Mind. Man, yeah, I feel like I like Apollo or Beautiful Mind more, but I haven't seen either. And I've I haven't seen a time. Uh, Beautiful Mind since like it came out, but yeah, Apollo thirteen was like my favorite movie for a good chunk of years back in the day, and it really holds up. It's so entertaining. So you're going to be, uh, Apollo thirteen? Yeah, definitely. Nick? Me too. That's a to me Apollo thirteen is a like a perfect movie. So anyone yeah. seen a Beautiful Mind since high school though? I haven't uh, seen I watched either a little bit of it. Shan watched a Beautiful Mind fairly recently, and I like. I think I watched a little bit of it. It's it's more melodramatic than I remember. You know, I mean, in high school it was kind of, you know, it was. I think I got more swept into the melodrama in high school, mm-hmm. and yeah. now I'm, you know, like more self aware about it. Back in high in school, hi- it was like hashtag deep. <laughs> in high school, I think I got caught by a lot of Oscar bait. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if the movie was coming out and it looked good, it was going to be good. Yeah, I know but, what I mean. Um, um, okay, so next one is related to Kajillionaire, uh, another movie we're going to talk about on the episode. Um, the actor that's in it, Richard Jenkins, I think, at this point, it feels like he's only in good movies. Mm. So I here's three Richard Jenkins movies that are more on the quirky side. And you have to choose which movie you like him best in. Not the movie, but you got to think which movie do you like him the best in. So The Shape of Water, Burn After Reading, or Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. What movie I, mean, I like him best in? That's a dark <laughs> question. He's also not like yeah. a lead. He's like so right. good in in the Shape of Water. I was gonna say Shape of Water, but also one I saw most recently. Like, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, got, I guess I got to go with the Shape of Water, but 
I love Burn After Reading. I love him in Burn After Reading. One of the yeah, funniest, I, most gruesome deaths. Yeah. Spoiler. But I've never yeah, I mean, laughed I, so hard at someone being <laughs> hacked to death. In the middle of the street. Brutally um, hacked to death by a hatchet in the middle of the street in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Just yeah. hysterically laughing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree. Um, and I think he's such a sad part of that movie too. Like mm-hmm. he's just a bystander. It's it's caught up in this terrible situation. Um, is he her but, boss? I'm trying to remember like which kid. Yeah. Who he he is Francis McDormand's boss yeah. at hard bodies for, yeah. and, uh, and Brad Pitt's boss. He's yeah. so in love with her and yeah. he just keeps being like, I'm just, I, I just think you're perfect the way that you are. And she's uh-huh. like, why are you ruining my dreams? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, cool. Um, okay. So if you thought that last question was hard, this one might be even harder because honestly, I don't even know where you guys stand on this, this director, but, uh, this one is David Cronenberg, uh, related. So, um, you know, uh, because, uh, we're covering one of his son's movies, uh, um, Brandon Sean Cronenberg. Cronenberg. No, Brandon Cronenberg. Sorry, I got the wrong Bulby. <laughs> what? Wait, was that serious? <laughs> was it, did you plan that? Um, I didn't plan that, but uh, it did come into my head and I said it. Um, so, uh, The Fly or Videodrome? Have you guys seen Videodrome? I haven't seen Videodrome. Okay. The, the Fly is amazing. The Fly or A History of Violence? The Fly. History of Violence. Yeah, The Fly. I haven't seen History of Violence in a long time. Now. I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of Cronenberg movies here. I was, I was just going to keep cycling through them until <laughs> yeah. you guys... Uh, Such a prolific a, a, director. He's He has made a bunch of movies. I watched like I watched three of or four of his movies this month or last month for Horror Movie Month. And uh, I'm just becoming more and more of a fan. I and mean, we could talk about more when his movie comes comes when his son's movie comes back around. But uh, his son definitely takes after him in the yeah. uh, in the um, uncomfortable body horror sort of uh, you know universe. Anyway, uh, let's just jump right into the episode then. Um, so the, our first segment is going to be our film club segment. Uh, which is the monthly experience where we each, uh, every month we take turn, someone gets to pick a movie from any year, any genre, any sort of their choosing, and uh, we all are forced to watch it. Um, the difference with the other movies that we cover on our show is that uh, the rest of them are 2020 movies or the current year, and we're not as forced to watch them, you know, so... Um, you know, if you, we don't all have to watch the rest of the four, but for film club, that's like a gentleman's agreement that we're going to watch, uh, we're going to watch the movies. So, uh, it was actually my pick this month. So, uh, I went ahead and picked a movie called the lady from Shanghai. Uh, the lady from Shanghai is a, uh, Orson Welles movie, um, that came out in 1947, I think. And uh, the reason I picked it is because it's uh, it's a noir. It's a film noir, and um, I I like to participate in noir November, um, as you might call it. And uh, I, I'm not really like committing too hard on it right right this month uh, because 
I'm kind of burnt out from horror movie month and I got a lot of things going on, but you know, I do, I did want to watch a couple of film noirs and uh, the lady from Shanghai is one of my favorites. So, um, real quick, I'm just going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Uh, Fascinated by gorgeous Mrs. Bannister, seaman Michael O'Hara joins a bizarre yawing cruise and ends up mirrored in a complex murder mystery. <clears throat> so, yeah, that sounds like... Mir- mirrored, Nick? Yeah, uh, mirrored. Uh, yeah. Mirrored? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, pun there a little bit. Uh, I don't know if that was... Um, Spoilers. Yeah, I don't know if that was purposeful or not. It also says on IMDb that Orson Welles is an uncredited director. That can't be right. Huh. But, right? I mean, but it I mean, doesn't list a credited right? director. No. So, I don't know. IMDb can be weird sometimes. So, anyway, um, so I don't know. I, like I said, I picked this because of Noir November, and also I don't think any of you guys had seen this movie. And it, like I said, it was one of my, it's one of my favorite uh, Noir movies. And I don't. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it can be really sloppy in some parts, um, but um, I, I, I kind of love it for that a little bit. There's a lot of like backstage uh, drama that went along with this movie. Um, the like uh, uh, Orson Welles cast himself as the main character. And then Rita Hayworth is uh, the femme fatale in the movie. And they were married at the time, but they were kind of on the rocks and they were, uh, in the middle of getting divorce. So when they were finished recording, they like finalized their divorce. Um, the other thing was he made her, uh, chop off her long red hair and dye it blonde, which kind of like, you know, screwed up her whole image. Like she was, a, you know, she's a, she was a big, you know, symbol, uh, redhead. yeah. And, uh, cutting off her hair was like, a like a lot of people were really surprised and shocked that, that she did that. Um, also, like Orson Welles was uh, beefing with the uh, producers throughout the whole shoot. Um, it was a long shoot, like on the boat, like all the boat stuff in this movie went on way longer than they thought. And uh, the producer wanted him to do reshoots and he kind of refused. And then he did, but then he didn't really shoot much and people were getting sick and it was a whole weird mess. But Either way, I don't mean to be talking about the backstage drama too much. I just, I really love the, like, noir aspects of this movie. Like, I love how uh, Orson Welles gets, he gets infatuated by this femme fatale immediately. And he, like, he's so drawn to her. And it's like, right from the get-go, it's like he is doomed just because he met her. Like, and he all these things keep happening to him. Like uh, a murder plot happens and he goes along with it, even though you, he knows he's being set up, but he, he still like goes along with it. And then uh, there's, you know, there's twists and turns, but um, ultimately, uh, you know, it's, it's a noir. So it ultimately ends in like uh, a lot of like nihilist, uh, like, Oh, what well, what was the point of any of this sort of thing? But um, I also love the dialogue in it. Like I love, love, love the dialogue. So um, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm pretty eager to hear about what you guys think. So, um, you know, so what do you think of I, the lady from Shanghai? I thought the ending was incredible, Nick. Oh yeah. So experimental. In the hall of mirrors. Weird and different. The hall of mirrors, it just like switched into full on crazy Orson Welles mode. And like, I couldn't believe it. Like how stylized that ending became. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really impressive. It like totally, yeah. cause I don't know Orson Welles all that well, but it totally reminded me of the entirety of the other side of the wind. Like 
that five minute scene is the entire two hours of the other side of the wind of just constant experimentation and visual storytelling like that. Um, and so that was cool to see like that direct line between forties Orson Welles and seventies Orson Welles, like last film being so clear. Um, definitely the same director. Uh, I go, you're saying it's, it felt, it felt a little messy. Um, the editing was kind of a little weird the movie goes at a lightning pace and people are like speaking their hearts on their sleeves just to like move to the next scene. So you know what's going on. I don't think that's the line, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and so the dialogue is a bit funky and choppy for me at times because they're just like spilling out the next bit of information before they rush off to the next location. Um, so yeah, I, it's hard for me sometimes to tell with forties movies and previously like, what the quality actually is for the time period, because I don't know movie history that well. Um, but anyways, uh, this movie was fascinating, mixed bag. Overall, I think I really enjoyed it, but um, it maybe had some kooky early cinema things <laughs> that seemed a little amateurish. Yeah, um, I mean, I hear you. The The Hall of Mirrors thing is really what like sold me on this movie 100%. Like, when I first watched it, I was enjoying it. I, I remember I, it was like 2016 and I watched, uh, I was doing like a big noir thing. Like I watched like 20 of them and uh, I was like, you know, I was like, all right, this is cool and all. And then the Hall of Mirrors happened and I was like, that was one of the coolest endings of like any movie. Like I just, I loved it so much. And since then, like I then I went back and watched it like a couple weeks later. Like I watched it like back to back. And I, like, kind of just, like, fell in love with the movie, you know? Like, I kind of get swept up in the noirness of it. And the dialogue stuff, I think I think that a lot of that is the time period sort of stuff. Because, um, I mean, just I think people just kind films of... back then. Yeah, people wrote movies in a different way back then. And they were kind of just... I don't know. I could... I, I actually have a few pieces of dialogue I was going to, like, just say, like, oh, how about this line, guys? Because, uh, you know, I, I saw Stiffer. The Stiff awesome. is the word comes to mind everything they're saying is very rigid yeah what about you guys <clears throat> yeah i th- i kind of agree with both of you guys uh a little it was it was definitely a little rough but like there was an interesting like inevitability of the movie where it's almost it, it is almost like everyone knows that he's being set up and he knows the audience knows like it, and so it like kind of puts you on this uh, interesting edge throughout the movie, but like nothing that he does is really, uh, you know, out of character or is something, you know, like why would you, you know, it's not, he's not like intentionally obviously walking into a trap. You know, it feels like he's making, you know, reasonably intelligent decisions throughout the movie, even though he is like continuing to move, further and further into this inevitable plot that you know is coming. And um, <clears throat> a really that, that made like this really interesting tension throughout the movie. Um, and then like, uh, yeah, just like the movie was so fast paced. It's, I mean, it's a pretty short movie. It's under 90 minutes, but like so much happens and like, they're just all, you know, all over the world and um through jail and like through a yeah, court case yeah like a, <laughs> through a murder mystery yeah it just keeps like going so further much further. happens yeah and, and uh it, it feels like uh I mean, 
one thing I, <clears throat> I often think of as like the epitome of fast paced, big storytelling is like DC, DC, uh, AU, uh, shows, episodes and movies. And like this movie kind of felt like that. It was just like, there's so much happening in such a short amount of time. And it's just like, it's almost just a whirlwind of, of, uh, of crazy storytelling. And just, yeah, again, to reiterate how, uh, awesome that ending is, 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 uh, is pretty cool. <clears throat> and it's also, it's, it's, uh, I've, actually worked on several shoots and, and a, uh, a movie that was heavily in, based on that scene and like a lot of that kind of mirror stuff. And I had never seen this movie, but I, I knew that it was all based on this movie. So it was really cool to actually see what, what we were going for. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, some pretty intense, like uh, it's, it's a lot of, um, setup time in in shooting those kinds of mirror scenes uh yeah, i believe it uh <clears throat> yeah you have to watch out intricate. for those uh watch out for those uh you know mistakes and uh, yep. camera shots and stuff yep getting each individual getting the camera set perfectly and then getting each individual mirror set up perfectly is very difficult Derek, what yeah. about you? How how are you doing with uh, not just the lead from Shanghai, but with film noir? Um, I don't know. I can't, it comes and goes, hit and miss. I don't know. I, I was really just not into this movie until that very ending scene, too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I really had a hard time getting through the movie. I'm not gonna lie. I fell asleep like three times, so then I restart i'd like rewind it and start up it was it was a rough like i've i kind of i watched a lot of movies in a short amount of time and um this was the first of them and i was it was like right after work too i think just everything lined up where i was just not gonna have a great time watching the movie but um you know it's always good it's always fun uh to see orson wells do stuff just knowing how important he's been in cinema and just storytelling in general. So it it's hard. I had a fun time still. I definitely enjoyed the movie, but there's just not a lot I can really compliment, I guess. I just wasn't digging a whole lot of anything in particular until the ending there. But. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. All I have right, a bone pick. Uh-oh. Yeah. Orson Welles. Has, so he cast himself in this role. He's got a pretty handsome face. Like he's got a handsome mug, but he seemed to have like a kind of a big belly under there. And I feel like the character he's supposed to play is some like smoking hot, like sailor guy that she can't help but really like. And you have a gut? I feel like yeah, he, I think he, uh, he needed to get a little more in shape. And because he was the director, he probably didn't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, that I was really his thing. Pick right? up on that. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Probably weren't really looking. Like, I don't I know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I I, yeah, I mean, he never time. took his shirt off. Or I don't know. I wasn't really paying too much attention to his physique, but I kind of got the f- sense that like it didn't really matter too much what he looked like because he was game played by people either way, you know. And I mean, he says in the beginning, like he he fights off those guys in the beginning, but then he was like, yeah, I, normally I wouldn't do that. I'm not very good at this kind of thing. I don't know what happened, so. There was some line talking about his appearance in there, and that's when I double checked, and then I was like, 
I will say, like, just so he could be in there. I definitely kept thinking, like, just what a weird guy this like character is. But like, I kind of that actually worked for me, like how uh, he was going through everything, and like, I don't know, yeah, women are attracted to him. He's still like, he just played such a weird character. I thought, but it's like a. Well, half irish accent or something oh yeah a weird yeah. accent <laughs> yeah not a, couldn't figure it out not the best accent i think he was supposed to be irish i think they say yeah. he's irish a couple times but yeah. um it was fun and we were talking we were talking about uh you know court movies last month and uh you know i forgot how much fun this court scene was like i had such a such a ball with this court scene i mean it's pretty ridiculous like how like he's on trial for murder but uh he, he, the guy who's representing him is uh, the guy who died's partner, like business partner. And uh, and meanwhile, Orson Welles is also in love with his, you know, his his lawyer's wife and the lawyer knows it. Um, <laughs> but the lawyer also never loses cases. So he wants to win, but he also wants to lose so that uh, so that the guy can, you know, be killed. He can be executed. So. Uh, um, I think I, that guy was might have been my favorite character. Too. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. he was and like when I he like is, how is like weird. He cross examines yeah. himself. That was fun. When he cross examines himself in court. <laughs> I like how in the fiction of this movie, or just in '40s films, uh, calling a witness to the stand in and of itself is a twist. <laughs> like mm-hmm. some unexpected event of calling yeah. a new witness up to the stand, uh-huh. and that's just absolutely not how like courts can work yeah at all i mean i don't know if courts surprise I, I mean we should look into this i don't know like there were a lot of things that happened in that courtroom for like like in 1947 could you do that in court i mean yeah. even the whole murder plot where the guy was like the guy was like if i what's if i pay you to kill me not really kill me like i'll disappear oh. but everyone will think that you killed me and uh but you can't get arrested for it because the body won't be won't be around like I don't know if that's a real thing. I don't know if that ever was a real thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound I mean, like know, a real thing. I know a lot of other movies have like, like talk about that. You can't, if they don't find a body to, to say for sure that you were dead, you can't be tried for murder. Like that's, that is something that other movies, more modern movies, okay. have, which kind of makes sense. Cause like, yeah, you know, if someone just like uh, leaves and you know bails on his family or something, everyone thinks he's dead, and then like I don't know, kind of makes sense. Yeah, but the whole thing with this movie was that with no evidence. if you can't confirm, yeah, but the whole thing with this movie though was that died. he was gonna com- he was going to confess that he yeah. had ki- murdered somebody. That's true. And then they were gonna be like, yeah, but we don't have a body, so we think your confession's BS. Like that just seems kind of weird to me. Like, yeah, that but, does seem weird. <laughs> Like, like if someone goes missing in real life and then someone comes into the police station and goes, hey, uh, that person that's missing, I killed them. I want to confess. I'm going to write my name down mm-hmm. and confess. Like the cops yeah. aren't going to be like, prove it. P- prove it. Find <laughs> the body. Well, there is no body. I burned it. It's an incinerator. You know, like I don't think. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Either way. Like, you know, and then the whole cross-examination thing was like very just like. I don't know if you can put your the defending lawyer on trial and then no. can he really interview himself like cross examine himself like but uh very funny though. Um we yeah. we can move on though. You know, um I'm glad you guys watched it. Uh sounds like there's a bit of mixed reactions but um I mean I think I think just the mirror scene alone and for it being a quick fast-paced movie, believe it from Shanghai is worth watching and uh 
you know, it's it's on Amazon Prime. So um, if you want to get further into film noir, 50s, very, very popular genre in the 40s and 50s. Um, Lady from Shanghai is uh, one of my faves. So um, with that, let's move on to our first uh, 2020 pick. Uh, our first movie we're going to talk about today is uh, Sean's pick. Uh, Sean, do you want to kick us off with that? Um, sure. Sure can. Um, <clears throat> so the movie I picked was the 40-year-old version. Not virgin, but the 40-year-old version. Um, IMDb synopsis is uh, Rada is uh, Rada is a down-on-her-luck New York playwright who is... Uh, Desperate for a breakthrough before 40. Reinventing herself as a rapper, uh, Rodimus Prime, she uh, she vacillates between the worlds of hip-hop and theater in order to find her true voice. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, this movie for me, uh, it kind of had to, it kind of had me worried a little bit uh, in the beginning Um, and I felt like the movie had to, and actually in the end did, uh, end up winning me over. Um, so the thing that I, I had a hard time with for this movie is I typically have a hard time with the struggling, starving artist, uh, trope, um, like those, those stories, uh, because too often they're, you know, a, some narcissistic, pretentious, uh, arrogant, um, artist who is just like so mopey and, um, and is just like, why doesn't the world, you know, why can't the world just accept me for my, can't just accept my art. And, you know, it's, it's a little too like, um, yeah, it's a little too arrogant for me, uh, too often. Um, but I think what this movie did that, uh, that got me into it is something that most of those movies never do. And that is, they ask the question, why does this character feel this way? And I feel like too many of those movies, um, just like you're supposed to take for granted that they're, they're God's gift to art, you know, they're God's gift to film. And the, as the viewer, you're just supposed to accept that. And um, I think this movie uh, didn't do that. It made the movie about why she feels this way. Why is she stuck? Why does she feel so strongly that she needs to be a writer or, or that she needs to express her voice? And um, I think the movie did a really good job of like kind of juggling those two ideas. You know, on one hand, she, she is like, pers- you know, pretty down on herself and, and pursuing this uh, career in hip hop. Um, while meanwhile selling out her art, selling out her play to uh, kind of a, a, you know a douchey playwright who's making all these changes and and kind of compromising her vision, um, <clears throat> and I thought it like balanced that really well and and in some really interesting ways, and um, uh, <clears throat> it, yeah, I, I feel like it did a really great job of building her character. Um, into that uh i also like i thought the movie had a lot of really interesting like side narratives all this stuff with like with her students um and like her kind of secondary job i thought was really fun whereas like in a lot of other movies you'll often see that the the artist is in some 
dead end job that they hate and they get no fulfillment out of and they're just all mopey about their their day job whereas in this movie it really felt like she enjoyed her students she was there was still a little bit of mopiness there but she really enjoyed what she was doing with her students she she liked that she was getting through to her students and um and there was a a really fun relationship that was built up between her students and and uh herself i know Um, you mean as opposed to being just like some like waiter yeah yeah total dead service job yeah um totally um so yeah uh I, i do think like the movie was a bit rough around the edges um and there was some stuff that I wasn't too into. I, I don't know if the decision to shoot the movie on film did the movie any favors. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few bones that we could pick uh, yeah. and get kind of nitty gritty. But I yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought there was a lot of really fun characters, a lot of really fun scenes, and and um, yeah, a lot of really interesting ideas. I. On the same vein as the last thing you just said, I also don't know if it did this film any favors filming in black and white, yeah. especially with especially with it changing to color at the like pivotal moment where she's finally like relaxed and accepting herself, mm-hmm. and the film can like move from black and white to color. It was just like too on the nose, and I think the director wanted that moment to happen so much that they had to have the whole movie in black and white to do that cool creative ending, which I, I didn't think. think was that creative. <laughs> I guess for um, I thought it was she really wanted to shoot this movie on film, uh, and all she could afford was black and white film. Oh, maybe <laughs> Kevin Smith. That's style. usually how these things uh, tend to go. But yeah, maybe maybe that's what she. I wanted. mean, either way, I mean, you're kind of talking yeah. about the same thing, whether or not it did it favors or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really think about the film aspect of it, but I was like, why is this movie in black and white? Like, it kind of initially mm-hmm. took me out of it. Like, just in, on, like, a pretentious sort of level of, like, mm-hmm. why... I just kept thinking, like, why is this in black and white? And, uh, you know... because she's in black and white it's, for most yeah. of the <laughs> yeah, It's, like, so. more work that the storytelling has to do now to get us mm-hmm. out of that fog. Yeah, and there's, like, why is it just a lot white? of awkward, really dark scenes and... Um, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I guess I, I don't uh, so. I think I'm maybe going to be the mo- most harsh on this film. I'm Derek for uh, the lady from Shanghai yeah. okay. on this film. Uh, but you fell asleep I, like four times. <laughs> I didn't fall asleep at all. Actually, I watched it pretty well straight through. Um, but for me, this movie was pretty meh. Um, it obviously, I think, it had a lot of interesting ideas and things that it could develop. And I think she could have like pretty like interesting career going forward as a filmmaker. Like I don't think the movie was garbage and there was a lot going on here, but I just had like too many like issues with some amateurness um, in the storytelling, in the cheesiness of some things that were happening. Um, Like the weed scene on her first rap battle out just like felt really, I don't know. I almost turned off the movie at that scene, honestly. Like I, I, I literally, I literally put my head down on the desk and like, like I, I like couldn't watch it. Like I turned the volume like pretty low down. And then I like, was like, actually, I actually, now I think about it, I skipped ahead. I like, I, I got so awkward and I know it's supposed to be awkward, but it was like, it was like that sitcom awkwardness that you get where like, like Michael Scott sort of like, Oh, this just isn't fun to watch. You know, it's just, it's just hurting me. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't fun to watch. It was so obvious. It felt so dumb. And obviously like no one, like she, 
people smoke pot. She smokes pot. She knows what it does to her and she would not do it if she didn't want to, or she would be totally fine taking one hit of like, it was just so extreme. Anyways, that's just I mean, one I don't part know, of but, it. I don't know about that. Like you might, you might like do it because you think you'll take the edge off, but then it'll make you really paranoid or something. Like I could see I kinda, uh, from a character perspective, but, <laughs> but, but then it also made her so paranoid in the dumbest way possible. That was, yeah. took me yeah. out of the movie. Like you said, you turned off, you turned off the sound, Nick. It was so bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, you liked the side character, Sean. I thought there was, even for two hours, there was a lot of like tangents, like her love relationship. Um, like, I didn't know if it really meant much or went anywhere and there's spent too much time on it. And even the students in the school, like, I don't necessarily know if that drama between the two kids that was having a fight was like too much tangent for me. I really liked other things like her relationship with her best friend that she had their whole life. Like every scene they had together was so strong and I wish they had like, that could have been the like most of the movie was that developing um, her, her scene with her going home with her brother and that painting on the wall. I really liked her reflecting back on her mom. Um, but that was just like also a really narrow sliver of the development. Um, I think the movie had too many side characters for me and I wish I had focused more on, you know, there's also the huge rap battle plot. There's also the huge like script plot. It was just a lot happening. Um, Anyways, I'm, I'll pass this on to someone else, but I thought the movie was pretty meh, a little amateurish, a lot of ideas, but um, I couldn't get too into it. You know, I think like sometimes it takes a, a movie like brings me into like a weird zone where the amateur niche of it is like, like I kind of enjoy And this movie kind of got to that point. I also was kind of worried like the first 20 minutes, I was like not really sure what to think of the movie. If I was really going to enjoy it or not. Yeah. A lot of questions. Why is it in black and white? What's going on? But, uh, she, I thought it was so charming and like funny and like after about 20 minutes, I was just like, I'm like, it's not that long a movie. Like I'm in whatever she's going to, whatever we're going to do here. I'm in. And, um, I don't know. It's kind of sometimes it's just nice to see someone that charming, knowing she wrote, directed, acted, and like you kind of see like where the shortfalls are in like her abilities there. And like, but then you see how um, the stuff that really works, like, kind of gives, I don't know, it, it feels like you're learning while you're watching it about her as a person, too, as well as this character that she's telling a story of. And so it's like, see, like you mentioned, uh, like her future projects, like she could have a pretty good career as a, you know, whatever she ends up doing, film director or whatever. But um, so it's fun. It's sometimes that the amateurnish of it uh, adds like another level of enjoyability when you can see like where they're coming from and like what they're trying to do and like and see that they seem to be doing it for like the right reasons, kind of, you know. Um, but as far as the actual content of the film, um, yeah, there was a bunch of moments like that, um, sprinkled throughout that just were kind of cringy and weird. And, um, I didn't, I liked her and her friend's relationship, but I don't, I think this comes into like just the, the amateurish of like the filmmaking, like some of the scenes just felt like, I don't know if the audio was wonky or something. It just felt weird. Like they weren't coming out the way that they were trying to deliver lines and stuff specifically from that, her best friend. Um, 
there's just a couple moments in there. I don't have any like written down, but I just remember thinking like, it seemed like that didn't come out the way they wanted it to come out. Um, but it never really pulled me completely out of the movie. Um, it was just some of those rough edges, you know, and overall I really liked it. I thought she was really funny. Her raps were like, <laughs> like really entertaining and like yeah. unexpected. And, um, I, I liked for most of the movie, her relationship with that, with the producer guy, um, the, the rap producer, the beat, mm-hmm. the guy making the beats. <clears throat> yeah. Except and I, for, I really liked the scene where she like, uh, where, where he takes her to that rap battle. And yeah, it's like, I don't know, a, a long scene, but it was, it was really fun to watch. Yeah. Although it was fun. I just, I still, at the, by the end, I was like, why is he like, doesn't give a shit that she keeps like blowing him off and like throwing him to the side for like this other career she doesn't care about. And he seems to not like care at all. It's just his personality. It just seemed kind of weird. And uh, see, I I really liked their uh, relationship. I got I got pretty into like their thing. And um, I mean, I think I'm I think I'm with you guys for for a lot of this. It sounds like it sounds like all of us were pretty like yeah, we enjoyed it. I mean, maybe not as much Brandon, but it sounds like yeah, we enjoyed it. But there are some caveats and stuff. And mm-hmm. like um, like I kind of wanted more of of them, you know, of their thing. And I really liked how. Because I really liked how they started and he was just like an aloof producer who's like fucking rappers come in here every day and I'm like sick of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she like comes in and she's like, can I like tell you about what I'm rapping? He's like, I literally don't care about what you're rapping. I just make the beats. Just just do your thing. And then she does it and it's like magic. You know, that's like what the movies. That's to me what was so cool about this movie was the how when she started rapping, it was like magic. You know, she was just so good at it like for no reason and she was like her raps were really good and um and i think that's what um you know he was like she's something different she's something special like even the even when they go to the rap battle with all the women the female rap battle like it's like they're all younger and stuff like he i think that's why he keeps coming back because he's like your perspective is something that's no one else is doing right now and you know i think i think my thing with the movie is that i think they could have trimmed out some of the drama and made it shorter and more fun, you know, like, like that whole scene, like I mentioned, I didn't like the stunt where she got stoned scene, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. but like, like if this had been more like a movie, like, like chef, you know, you know, the movie chef with uh John Favreau mm-hmm. where he's a, you know, he, he gets the food truck. Um, there's basically like no drama in that movie, but it's like really, really fun. I think this movie could have been just like that where mm-hmm. like, like the drama could have been between her and her best friend and her best friend is like a like a career entertainer sort of like agent person and he's like hey you know i i got you this gig i mean you've been in new york long enough you've been in the entertainment industry long enough i got you this writing gig and it's like this topical subject matter of gentrification you know like you wrote it you know and it's it's you know it's what you it's it's for you but like also you're selling out because they're not going to really write it from your perspective and it's not going to be your vision. And like, like that, and then compare that with like this other guy that she's seeing and the producer and her really good raps that are like magic. And like, I think like if they had just kind of focused it more on those two mm-hmm. things and how, um, they, you know, that, yeah. that was the crux of the movie to me. Like that was what the movie was about the, you know, her choosing between those two lives, but they could have stripped down the, the drama and made it more just like, um, more concise about about that and more leaned more into like the fun charming aspects of it instead of the like 
you know, wishy-washy type stuff. Like, I don't know. That was kind of what was frustrating for me about it was how wishy-washy she was as a character. And I know, like, you know, the whole movie was her dilemma, but still it seemed seemed so obvious. You know, it seemed like, come on, lady, just just yeah. go rap. I think like that's the mopey stuff Sean was kind of talking well, it seemed, about. It's like, well, like Nick, you're, yeah, you have control I, here. You're, you, um, you just, uh, yeah, go ahead, Brandon. You're, you're, you're being asked to be like on a, on a higher budget off Broadway play right now. And yeah, you're selling out. Everyone knows like what this takes. Your producer has warned you about it and you go along with it. And then you're like, I don't know, still mopey about it and writing bad scenes all the way through. And like I, that stuff, yeah, that, that really frustrated me, her character and how it grew on that side of it, not the rap side, but her like her writing aspect of the career. And uh, for me, that climax didn't really work for that half of the movie. And I just, I just kept thinking like, it's, it's your choice. Like it's your fault. Just stop if you don't want to do it, but don't like complain the whole way. And then at the end, like keep doing it, throw it in everyone's face and tell a thousand people how shit this thing they've been working on is Um, like, I don't know. That really frustrated me. I guess like what I was going to say is, is Nick just said, you know, Hey lady, why don't you just, why don't you just start, uh, go rap? Like if that's what you want to do, just go do that. And like, on the other hand, I was like, I, w- I was more the opposite of like, just, just like st- stop with this, like, you know, struggling artist routine and just, just work, you know, like you, you have the ability to do something, even if it's not exactly perfectly your vision, like, get paid like you are so close to doing like your dream uh but like so you have to make some sacrifices just like you you need you need to work you can't you you can't uh you know you can't do your dream you can't make your vision if you're not able to pay your rent or get food or you know and so like you could kind of look at it both ways and that's how that's what i i thought was interesting about the movie where it's like and I, I liked the process of how it uh, the movie showed her compromise, slowly compromising her vision, you know? Yeah. yeah. I it wasn't that, that too, she honestly. was just like, on one hand, she didn't wasn't turning down all these, you know, paid, well-paying jobs to go start this dumb rap career. And it wasn't um, that she was all... Um, you know, it wasn't all that she was just so strict about her vision. Um, right. It was like play, played in this interesting, like, why is she compromising her vision? Well, like, why there's that scene, right? That, 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 why, if she I hadn't felt like stood up on stage. Was, yeah, like, I, I agree with all everything you said, except for the fact that they had her stand up on stage and, like, ruin everyone's night. And she, like, I don't feel like she learned it, as opposed to just going and doing what she wants. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't feel like she, she learned her she lesson. Did the she like shoved it in she... everyone's face. Yeah. Well, not everyone's face. I mean, maybe everyone's face, but yeah, she wants to be around for now. You got to shove stuff in people's no, faces. No, sometimes. I mean, not <laughs> even that. Like that guy was a douche. And <laughs> I mean, obviously it may be uh, as Brandon, you said uh, earlier when we were playing Fortnite, a little too obvious of a douche. Um, a little on the nose douchey, um, but he was a giant douche. And don't you um, think people like that exist in real life as producers and stuff? No people. And like, uh, like for me, I was watching. I'm like, yeah, that guy deserved to get told off a bit. Uh, I don't think she like tanked the whole play. 
I don't think they're going to cancel the the show, you know, the night before, or, or I don't know. The, I don't think that was opening. Is it, what do you call that, Brandon? It's like a pre-opening open. night or whatever. Anyways, yeah. I don't think they're going to cancel the whole run of the show because of right. this speech she gave in front of friends and family. Uh, but, you know, that guy deserved to be told off and and she did it. And I thought it was a good moment. Or, Sean, hopping know. off of uh, what you were saying before um, about the process of it, there was that one scene that I thought was like super interesting where I, they were casting for the play and people who had read the script like – you know, previously, like the same script, you know, same concept, uh, came to you know try out for for mm-hmm. it, and they were like, "Oh, these are the changes you made. Are you sure you're okay with these changes?" And then like then they were talking about them during the casting process, and she like had to like kind of step back and play more of the like producer role a little bit mm-hmm. of like, you know, trying to appease both sides. And it's like, yeah. Alan, you don't really see that sort of like casting, like you know, see a character really like compromise in that like small of a way i guess like you really you know that that like was just a good as point simple as changing the accent was i yeah. think the scene you're talking about they're talking about why she's changed her accent and she she was the only character in the movie who or, or in the in the play who who changed their accent and was doing i don't i forget yeah. what kind of accent she was doing but um yeah kind of a pretty stereotypical accent and and uh yeah i thought that was a really interesting scene yeah and like how the director was responding to it and and how the producer yeah. and the director were both like, yeah, yeah, this is. Yeah. And she had exactly. to be like, yeah, that's. Well, <laughs> and it was, su- yeah, it was super awkward. And um, yeah, um, I, I actually enjoyed that, that part of it. So, yeah, I like that, that too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed this movie. I thought it was definitely worthwhile, and especially like, I don't know, I have to say like the. The fact that like it was this movie about being, being like a you know black woman mid you know in her mid forties or whatever like or maybe she just turned forty but like yeah she was turning yeah, it 40, just, I believe. you know just like you don't really get a lot of movies even from like her sort of perspective especially in the entertainment industry so like you know uh, that alone like makes it a little more worthwhile in, in my book than some of these other like you know pre- struggling artist movies um, but. Um, I think we should move on to the next movie, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I say some, I say thumbs up though. The forty-year-old yeah. virgin, ver, the forty-year-old version, version, and that's on uh, that's on Netflix. So um, if you're into, um, yeah, if you want to try out like a, a New York City movie about an artist, uh, check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, our next movie is uh, oh shoot, that's my movie. Uh, I didn't realize I was next. So, um, you scared I yourself, the movie. Nick. Yeah, I did. Huh. Oh, oh boy. Uh, well, I felt like I just did my movie, but, um, like not, not this yeah. one, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway, so, um, the movie I picked is called a uh, kajillionaire, uh, real quick. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Um, a woman's life is turned upside down when her criminal parents invite an outsider to join them on a major heist that they're planning. Um, this is dire- written and directed by Miranda Jul- July. Um, I've I've never actually seen any of her other movies, but she's done. Um, she's kind of known in indie circles mm-hmm. for like her quirkiness, and um, I guess like her movies aren't for everyone. But if they are for you, then they like like people really love uh, the ones that that you know that people love. Um, so um, 
I don't know. I that was partly why I picked this movie because it's getting like really good reviews. Um, it was like getting a lot of buzz, but like also like this director, like I I'd never seen any of her work, so I thought you know this could be really worthwhile. And you know, based on that plot summary, that's like all I knew about the movie going in. So I was expecting like a heist movie of some sort. You know, I was kind of thinking like maybe like Logan Lucky or something. You know, where it's not Ocean's Eleven, but it's like you know a little like you know off offbeat sort of uh sort of heist stuff um yeah this this isn't a heist movie like at all i mean it, it, it is a con man movie they so it's about stuff. these yeah they steal stuff so it's about this family like uh it's um evan rachel wood um richard jenkins is her dad and um her mom is played by um she's also famous Deborah i should Winger. know her name deborah winger and, um, yeah, so they, they're a little trio and they, they basically are like extremely small time, um, like con man crooks kind of like in the beginning, they are stealing from a mailbox, like from the post office and she sticks her hand, Evan Rachel was sticks her hand into, um, the mailbox and finds a package and pulls it out and then they open it and there's like a tie inside and it's like, Oh great. This is worth like 25 bucks. Awesome. The 25 bucks that we have now. And then they like use that to barter and stuff. And they like swindle someone very early on into, into uh, taking the, like they found their, the guy's watch, but they didn't really find it. They had stolen it. Then they return it. And then they're hoping for a reward, but the reward is a massage from the guy's daughter. And then they try to like get a refund on that from her. But she's like, you know, we don't expect, I'll give you cash refunds for a gift massage. That's the sort of movie it is where it's like, kind of like, where's this going? But it's all kind of like interesting and different. You know, it's, it's pretty unique. And, um, there are other unique things that happen. Like their setting is kind of weird. They, they're renting. I don't know if it's their house even, but they're renting this place next to a bubble factory and bubbles come through the wall every single day and they have to like clean it up. Um, but also they're behind in their rent and their landlord cries every time they can't pay it. He's just like bawling. Like, I just need you to pay your rent. And it's, it's, it's funny though. Like this is like a, you know, it's a comedy and it's, it's very weird though. And, um, so I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting and I, I definitely had a great time with it and I, I got a lot out of it. Like I definitely, um, you know, Evan Rachel Wood's character is pretty like sad and, uh, like, isolated even though she has her mom and dad and um you know it's a movie where she's kind of like figuring out like that there's more to life than her like you know small little family so um you know uh what do you guys think um i loved it um was i <laughs> i said uh it feels like the embodiment of mr walsh's tell a simple story and tell it well but then I was second guessing if that was Mr. Walsh that said that or not. No, that was I, Mr. Walsh for sure. He used yeah. to say that. Okay, because yeah. it well, is. Tell a simple story. <laughs> take a simple story and tell it well. Because <laughs> it's so simple and so straightforward, and there's there's not like really anything complex to to get into story wise, you know. But it's they, they fill it like these characters are so full. Like I can tell you so much about everyone. Even that, that guy that cries, they like mention he has like a condition. He's like letting them know, like, you don't worry about the, the crying. I'm just, I have a condition. And it's like, yeah. like we see him for, you know, two minutes in the movie. And we know that like this, this whole different, this weird relationship, he needs them to like get that out of, you know, pick up the soap 
or else the buildings in a have structural issues and stuff. And it's just like, that's a, that's a good example of, uh, of everything across this movie. I feel like they pack so much, uh, like context and character into everything. And, uh, so that's, that feels good. Like you just get a lot out of it. Like you said, um, overall, I just, I like these kind of stories where, um, I know we have Brandon had picked Hillbilly Elegy and I, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like it's kind of like a what they actually she talks about it in uh, the 40 year old version, uh, like poverty porn, you know, where it's like really bringing it home how rough it is, you know, to be in poverty and really and like I think this movie does a good job at not doing that. And they actively, there's a quote I pulled up, which is like where the title of the movie comes from. But it's like her dad is like explaining to her. I don't know if I, you want me to read the quote. It's pretty long. But, yeah, read the quote. Oh, he just says like, it. I can't remember what the situation was. Uh, oh, she noticed that there's a new camera in the post office that they've been stealing from. And he's like, this is really bad. Once your face is in the system, they got you. Fines, 401k, home equity. But maybe you want all that. I don't know. Me, I just prefer to skim by. And she's like, so do I. He's like, do you? Oh, that's interesting because most people don't want or most people want to be gajillionaires. That's the dream. That's how they get you hooked, hooked on sugar, hooked on caffeine. And so it's like, I think that kind of embodies like their whole, that explains her father's like perspective. Like he doesn't, he knows the situation they're in and he's totally fine with that. He knows he's so good at what he does that he knows that he'll be fine. He just wants to skim by. He doesn't want anything more than that. And, um, I think that's a good, like representation of that family. And it, it keeps it from falling into that, like really cringe territory where they could just be like really shoving it down you know, like really trying to hammer home that like, I don't know, the poverty part of this isn't a huge deal, even though it's like present in every aspect of their life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just like that perspective. I think it's a, it's a more, um, what's the term? It's like a better way, not a better way, but it's like a more optimistic perspective to take when dealing with like this kind of subject. And they they play on that in a lot of different ways too. Um, Gina Rodriguez, her character is kind of like it's she's a good, so good, yeah, she's great, and it, she's kind of like the opposite side of this, where she's been handed stuff her whole life, like she has just so much stuff that she just doesn't, it has no value to her. Anything does. It, we don't have to get into spoilers, but um, they kind of bring that home uh, towards the end of the movie. They like, um, I don't know. I like how they resolved. I like how they integrated her storyline into this storyline in a way that paid off for everybody in the end, too. Well, there's something that I think we could say that's tangential to what you're saying without being a spoiler in that, like, there's a she has, you know, a little bit of falling out with her parents and it's due to, like, a lack of love or just their current of their lifestyle. And uh, she, their parents try to gift her, like, try to get her back or try to get her back, maybe, by... Um, like get, like giving her a gift for every birthday like that mm. because that was part of their falling out right is that you know she, she never had she never had birthdays or whatever and they gave her a gift for every birthday and uh but that wasn't really like the complaint though right like the complaint wasn't really about the birthdays it wasn't about the material possessions uh 
it was more about the feeling mm-hmm. of being loved, right? And um, I mean, Derek, I think you're spot on. The movie was really, really good at like, like pointing at that feeling of, um, you know, compassion and empathy and like, you know, caring rather than like, you know, material things or whatever. Yeah. But I just really appreciated that perspective and it was fresh and funny. Like everyone was so good in it. Richard Jenkins again is so, so great in it. Uh, it was really surprising, like, uh, turn for Evan Rachel Wood. Um, she really channeled like Jason Muse is the only thing I could think of every time I see her walking around. <laughs> like a quiet uh, Jason Muse, though. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. Jason Mewes, no, not like, like his attitude, but like his yeah. look. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Style. And, because, uh, because Evan Rachel Wood's like really pretty. You know, yeah. like she's like a really attractive person. And uh, she, yeah, she just like was wearing like baggy big coats and like dark glasses. And all of her facial expressions were like, you know, sunken Long and she just hair like that goes in front of yeah. her face. Yeah. The low, and, uh, low register. Wait, she's the star of Westworld. Yeah. Also, yeah. God, she transformed. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. I didn't recognize her at all. Oh my God. Also her name, uh, her name was old Dolio, which <laughs> old is like, Dolio. yeah. In the story, God, the story name. behind the name was like pretty heartbreaking. Oh I thought too, I was like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I think, I'm, I think I'll jump in there. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I gotta say, I, this movie didn't, didn't really work for me. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. And I, and I really, I am, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad you guys really enjoyed it. Um, but a, I think a lot of the quirkiness didn't work for me. Like for example, the old Dolio thing, like I think a lot of the movie was going for this cute and quirky and like, and uh, you know, trying to be, you know unique and interesting but like all all those cute and quirky things or at least a lot of them to me was just like that's really fucked up and it like it really put this barrier up and like wow like all those really like the 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 the, um kind of cute and quirky things that the parents were doing and a lot of things that they were saying i was just like that's horrible i can't like and it was this really bizarre like kind of uh i don't know duality that didn't really mix well for me and it was just like i don't know the the tones just didn't match up and i was just i just kept finding myself thinking like this is so i mean she should be taken by child protective services like a long time ago for sure there's no um, doubt yeah and and it was just like it just didn't really work the cutie quirkiness of it just didn't click when like the the things that they that were supposed to be cute and quirky were so fucked up. Yeah, see, I wouldn't uh, describe this movie as quirky at all. Honestly, like I, I don't think mm-hmm. this movie was trying to do the thing that you're talking about. Like I like, like to me, like you're kind of like thinking that it was trying to be Juno or something. And it was to me, like it was a dark movie. Like it had like, to me, it was like a lot of it was like, like the tone of like most of the movie was like Evan Rachel Wood, like, with a frown on her face. But then like there were just like weird things that were happening in her life that like were also like funny, but more from the outside, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't mean to be arguing. I don't really, you know, I don't mean to argue with you. Like, you know, you read the movie, you're, you know, but like, um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think it, this was like, 
I didn't think this was like a quirky comedy. You know, I didn't think it was one of those. I thought it was like if you were looking for a quirky comedy like, you know, Garden State or something like this. I didn't think this was even trying to be that. I think this had weird things that were happening in it that made the movie like surreal. And that way, I kind of thought it was funny, like in more of like a David Lynch sort of way than a like Dabble Cody sort of way. But um, what was that last movie you just said? Um, Diablo Cody, and she's the or Diablo right, Cody is the person that wrote oh. um, Juno and a few oh. other movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess that's an interesting take. I definitely was not seeing this movie as a surreal comedy. Like it, the only thing to me that was surreal was the bubble thing, uh, where that was like clearly metaphorical and didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but. Uh, what about the earthquakes? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, like, I was totally, um, and I, don't, I didn't even see any, I didn't see a trailer or anything for the movie. I think it's just, I went into the movie not knowing anything about it, and um, I feel like that that's just the movie that presented itself to me is this this quirky, cute comedy. And uh, obviously it's not exactly Juno because Juno is a lighthearted, you know, kind of positive fun movie whereas obviously this movie is going for darker tones and it, it more about loneliness and and um so not exactly juno but yeah I, d- I do think it was at least to me it presented itself as a quirky comedy that like yeah just didn't land because of that and then like so not only that were the parents just like really horrible to me uh Old Dolio was such a like a, a closed off character that it was hard to even get into that. And, and um, I do want to bring up um, I forget her name. I'm sorry. What's her What's her name? The <clears throat> um, uh, oh shoot. Um? You no, know, the uh, uh, the friend that they meet. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, I, I missed what you. Anyways, I thought she brought a lot of like character to the movie and I thought she was really fun. Uh, You know, actually brought some personality that I could kind of buy into into the movie. But, um, you know, I think she kind of came in a little too late and was merely in service of Oldolio's character and in service of the story rather than being kind of the focus. And so at I don't know. It, it kind of didn't worry. I mean, and I was a little bit back and forth. The movie kind of did pull me in, in some scenes. And then it kind of, it lost me right after and then kind of pulled me back in a little bit. But yeah, I think f- for me, it just, uh, the, the tones didn't really work and, and didn't, um, didn't really come together. I already felt that because I'm such the, the opposite. <laughs> Like, oh my God. We're I, all over the place today. <laughs> yeah, we're each taking terms like, Nick, uh, you got to you gotta be down on one of the next couple movies. <laughs> It'll be perfect. So we can each uh, take turns here. But uh, I, I was pretty super into this movie, guys. Like, I loved it. And uh, it had, like, to me, so many, like, countless special moments that were really touching and really creative. Um, a couple that, like, stood out to me was... Uh, even towards the opening, just like the massage scene that got you into her head as a character right away. I even remember specifically 
there's the shot like underneath her as she's struggling to be touched and just like feeling so much emotion and the shot like goes underneath the uh, massage table and in my head I was like this would be so perfect if a tear dropped towards the camera lens and then it just balled up and then dropped straight at the camera and it was just like really beautiful moment um and then like another favorite like scene and i could go on and on there's like 12 of these throughout the movie but one of my favorite scenes is when they go to the um old man's house which just like has such a creative build-up of why they're even there in the first place to do a con on these old men that she uh she finds at her job and they're gonna steal antiques from but they show up there and he's going to be dying and his last wish is for them to pretend they're a real family in his home. And inside all that, you get this really like real life interaction for her first time where she has a real family to be with our main character. And she like looks at her mom as a real mom um, right before like it's all broken. All the characters are broken again and the old man passes away. And then the dad goes straight back into like, I got to like steal shit mode. Because they were um, acting, though. Yeah, like the yeah parents, they were acting. Yeah. But they're yeah. like, what it meant for her was so beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And then, God, there's the moment when she's like, she's sitting with the dying man. And she has this like really beautiful line about letting go of the, of this, uh, of this like uh, fabric or whatever it is. Like death is, is so insignificant. Yeah. It should be so easy just like letting go of a rope in between your fingers and it was just like it really took my breath away when she said that to that man um and there's just so many other things in the movie like that that i loved over and over again Um, Um, i don't want to spoil it but the scene with the um after the big earthquake um you know i think i think that's going to stick with me for for psychedelic scene yeah yeah yeah. that scene was like pretty jaw-dropping i I felt like Mm -hmm. And the, right after it, too, what happens and stuff like that was like when they I, walk out. stuff. Yeah, they walk out and then like just what happens with her character too, like how yeah. it's a, you know, it's, it's the it's it's a big moment that changes right. her whole character. And, um, you know, I, I, I totally bought into that. Um, what what how did you guys feel with I don't, I don't know how worried we are with spoilers, but like with the the ending. Like sequence of events i guess and what that said about her parents and people i thought it was pretty perfect honestly yeah Yeah, i thought it was really cleverly written it It was almost like a twist even though it happened all within like four minutes of itself um and it just like was just a perfect charming interesting ending of like yeah, it was a great conclusion for me. To me, it was almost like a film noir thing. Like I was talking about, like fatalism with noir earlier, and like, like it was. Of course, that happened. You know, of course, the ending happens that way, and uh, like it was so true to everyone's character up to the point of like the like the price of the you know the stuff that they left behind. You know, like everything was like 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 so like we're going to do this thing because we have to because it's it's who we are. And like the, you know, then they were like, oh, okay. You revealed yourself to who you are. You're not going to change, but now I can make peace with that and I can do my thing. Like, you know, it it was a little movie-ish, you know, like that would never happen in real life. But like, you know, this movie wasn't trying to be real life. Yeah. Yeah. Very like that. The music in this film is great. 
and there's so many times when the music comes in to like either transition a scene or to like uh, move the pace forward and it got me going like I, I was like kind of moving my foot a little bit and there's a lot of great rhythm and like throughout this movie also um it was angel olsen does a cover of a song for this movie and it's super super beautiful um and it's just great direction on the score so um yeah i mean that's gajillionaire i feel like we keep going on about it but yeah. um you know we have a few more movies to talk about and uh yeah, um, th- th- that's Kajillionaire. Uh, we rented it on um, Amazon Prime. Um, what are they calling it? Uh, premium rentals or uh, early access? I think early access. Basically, we pay twenty dollars to rent this movie. But um, I mean, in a few weeks, you won't have to pay twenty dollars. I'm assuming. Um, either way, keep your eye open for it. It's called Kajillionaire. Um, it's vali- it's available now if you want to pay twenty bucks. And um, you know, I don't regret paying that money. I mean, we all split it, but you know, it, it was a really solid movie in my opinion. And uh, Brandon and Derek too. Sean was mixed on it. So um, <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next movie, Derek. Yeah. Uh, next movie is your pick. Yes. So I picked Save Yourselves. Um, the plot synopsis for it is a young Brooklyn couple head upstate to disconnect from their phones and reconnect with themselves. Cut up. Cut off from their devices, they miss the news that the planet is under attack. Um, I picked it because I've seen both these actors before, and they're pretty uh, small-time actors right now, but I really enjoyed them a lot and the little things I've seen them in, so I was excited to see them both together. Um, and it looked like a fine, you know, just kind of charming little sci-fi movie. Um, overall, I thought the movie was fine. I don't know. Like, I wasn't busting up laughing throughout it. It wasn't as funny as I was hoping it would be. Um, I thought they kind of played it a little safe. I was kind of surprised, like, it's rated R movie. No way. Yeah, and there's, like, no reason for it to be rated R. And I kind of wonder if, the, like, something got taken Just the out or something. Just the of the alien outs- when it was, like, by that truck. That right. pushed over. That's what line. I was kind of thinking. I kind of feel like I wish they like went more in that direction. Like I kind of wish they played like, it's just a little too light on everything for me. Um, like I wish they either went harder into the comedy or went harder into the sci-fi. But, um, just since a lot of the jokes didn't really hit me that well. And then the sci-fi was just kind of skimmed through, you know, until the very end. Um, it just felt like a weird, a weird mix. I don't know. I like them. They're in, they're so charismatic together and like their, their relationship is what really holds the movie. What together are the actors name? What are their actors names again? Um, it's, uh, Sunita, uh, Sunita, Sunita Manny. Yeah. And John Paul Reynolds. Yeah. Reynolds. Okay. okay. And he, I've told you guys so many times now, I feel like, but he is in, um, a show on HBO called search party and it's incredible. And he's really freaking funny in it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it, it felt like it, it was a little too noncommittal on anything to really, so none of its aspects really hooked me that well, um, besides just them being silly and cute together, you know. I liked I liked all that, and I think the last 20 minutes are really solid, and it really kind of, it's like, okay, this is an alien movie, like, we got to, we got to get into that gear now. And um, I thought that was a pretty fun 
series of events, like the last 20 minutes, everything that, you know, as they actually started to explore, explore like what the creatures do and like their weird, like gases that they put out and like just the, the different things that I don't know how spoilery we should get, but uh, all the stuff that happens in the last 20 minutes, I thought were at least interesting uh, places for the yeah. movie to go. Um, I just. What's your favorite? Yeah, it was just kind of yeah. right down the middle for me. Uh, I I actually thought this movie was delightful. Um, <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I found the characters to be super cute. I found the movie to be a breeze. It was super fun. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with these two characters and they have such a fun, cute relationship. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, I I wasn't, you know, gut bustingly funny, but I I thought it was uh, I thought it was delightful, delightfully funny. And uh, um, yeah, I think a lot of the comedy came from, you know, poking fun at millennials and their millennialness and millennial behaviors. And but at the same time, I don't think it was ever mean about it. I don't think it was like. Uh, you know, overtly uh, calling millennials stupid or anything. It was just like a lot of showing a lot of the quirks that um, that millennial relationships have. And I thought there was a lot of really fun scenes with the with that kind of thing, like the gun scene, like where they're talking about getting <laughs> the gun from the basement <laughs> Um, it, like there's a lot of really fun stuff like that, but, um, one just popped in my head, Sean, that was yeah. like the catalyst for the whole movie is just them on their phones on the couch. And she looks over and just like with a, like such a disgusted look and just slaps it out of his hand Yeah, and it just cuts and you don't know what's happening. And then they decide to like get away from technology. Yeah, no, because they like had that drunken conversation the night before, but then the next morning they're both just sitting there on the phone, and she just like slaps it, slaps his phone yeah. out of his hand. He just so goes, "So good, yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you." Yeah. And uh, but them, uh, yeah. them having like sex, and then like before that, and then it gets yeah. interrupted, but then she just gets on her phone as well, and yeah. they, they just forget about everything. Uh huh. <laughs> so many, yeah, so much exactly. good poking fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was just they were so cute. They're so fun to watch. And then I, I even, um, I, I, I even liked how long it took to get to the sci-fi premise. You know, I, I really enjoyed just hanging out with them. And then it was kind of like when they kind of ran out of things to do with just the two of them. Then they started bringing slowly bringing in the the sci-fi stuff, like very slowly, because it really starts with just like you know, the guy waking up in the middle of the night, like, ooh, what does he say? He's like, get out of here. Get out of here. And then like just the little, the puff, I forget what they call it. The, the puff, poof. The poof. the poof. Just sitting on the floor is like, did you move that there? Has that been here? Yeah, it was just, yeah, uh, it was a ton of fun. And yeah. just a, a long series of really fun and interesting scenes. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I agree with you, Sean. I'm like, I'm pretty much like equally with you. And honestly, like this might have been like my favorite of the four movie movies we watched. I, I think Kajillionaire uh, was a better movie and um, like for sure. But um, 
Like save yourselves. It seems like save yourselves seems like a movie that like I might go back to a bunch, you know, or like like I might like recommend to people a little bit easier, you know, just because. Yeah, I mean, it was 90 minutes. It felt like a breeze, you know, it felt like so, so easy to watch. And I like I liked how much it made fun of them. Like it did the right amount of making fun of millennials without either like like it was poking, but it wasn't like swinging. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like striking any big blows. It wasn't trying to make a big point about millennials. It was just like, yeah, this is, you know, this is kind of silly guys like this. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the whole plot of how they like, you know, they literally like set up the, you know, they set voicemails that are like, we're, we're off the grid. You know, you're not going to be able to get hold of us for a week or whatever. Like, that's like, that's a funny in and of itself. And then, then yeah, like, uh, and literally then the world the, ends <laughs> and then you like see the, like the space like something coming in from our space and you're like oh boy this is gonna get silly you know i or did this, you know, did you guys know that what? i didn't see yeah. the trailer i knew it was an alien movie but like because okay. that was a surprise to me when that happened that was really well was done like, like the subtle like, stuff what? in the background what movie am i watching right now <laughs> yeah and um, yeah, so I, I really liked the alien designs too. Like I, uh-huh. I haven't seen aliens like that before. Like first of all, the poof thing was hilarious. Like that, like joke of them thinking it was an ottoman, and then the movie <laughs> by itself, like that was like that was really funny to me. And then uh, just like how how they moved and what they did was like unlike other aliens that I've seen before, you know, that was it was a pretty unique concept of like a ball thing that like could shoot out a tongue and that could slice you open. And then they're like harvesting your bodies. And like, like it was like, it was pretty interesting. And like, yeah, they probably could have committed to the sci-fi a little bit harder. Um, but I felt like that wasn't even really the movie that they were trying to make, you know, like the, I, the all the stuff you said about being non-committal Derek, like, I feel mm. like the movie did commit to being a breeze, right. you know? Yeah, like no, it, for sure. It com- and, like it would um, be hard for anyone not to like I, this movie. There's like it's so yeah, it's so digestible. Yeah, I like so. I like Derek's idea though of going harder sci-fi. Um, I'll say what I thought about the movie, but like the movie was so short. Like I think taking the R rating, making it ten minutes longer, and having more than just one sen- like scary scenario, which was basically just the one couple at the car. And having like a couple more scenario adventures they run into before the ending and making it very R and getting it darker. Maybe it happens at night and like twisted stuff happens. I think like I really would have been invested. Um, so I think you're, I agree with you, Derek. Like if they had just pulled it and extended it a little more. I do think like there on. could have been more once they got the baby because they just kind of yeah. got the baby yeah. and then. Some fucked up shit should have happened, and yeah. it would have been. Well, I don't know, really but cool. I don't think it should have been fucked up. But I don't want. <laughs> I don't think the movie ever should have gotten to be yeah. fucked up. But I do think it, they probably could have, you know, extended that more, uh, done more like interactions with the aliens or like with other people with the aliens or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, or the like girl that takes their car, their diesel. Yeah, car. yeah. And like, <laughs> wait, is the diesel so joke? Funny. Is it because there's no? Ethanol and diesel? Yeah. Is that, that's it. Oh, okay. So I thought, I agree with you guys. This movie was light, fun, breezy, hilarious. Derek, you said it wasn't that funny. I actually was laughing pretty consistently. Yeah, I mean, you guys are bringing stuff up there. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. funny. But. Um, and the, like all the, the New York stuff at the party before was hilarious to like, there's just so many mm-hmm. good references to like hipsterdom. 
um, that I really appreciated. And it was really I think funny. part of it, especially in the beginning, is I'm like, God, I've seen a hundred million movies that are about New York hipsters. And like, I was just so not wanting to hear anything they were going to say. But uh, oh. looking at it as just like, I guess that's kind of how I was looking at it going into it. And I was just like kind of eye rolly, like I get it. Like New York has a lot of hipsters and that's, that's all there is. It's like just hipsters. It's the only movie anyone can make about, about New York right now is hipsters in New York. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, taking it out of that context and looking more at just like millennials and their obsession with phones kind of tweaks it a little bit makes it a little bit funnier i think and there's definitely some moments like i don't know i was gonna say that night the him waking up at night like i kind of i wish they did that more even like that was definitely the they thing like i laughed the times. most they did they but did. Like, i don't know i laughed every time and uh it didn't it really go anywhere. Too. Like I by, thought it would have been the last one. It was like, "There's a lion in the room!" Like it like <laughs> yeah. becomes a creature that he's yelling, uh-huh. right? Like, yeah. No, then the, the last one, it was like a, a guy with a the puff hat on, and the poof hat on, and he's like telling him, "You know, just give in, just come over to it." Or so, yeah, I <laughs> right, what it was. Right. But. Yeah, I but it, uh, different than you, Nick. I actually had an opportunity to recommend this movie compared to some of the others I watched this month, and I kind of was just like, even though I enjoyed all of it, it just like wasn't. I don't know. It just wasn't like like you said, Derek. Fun enough of anything for me to be like, you have to watch this. Like I would never tell someone to go to a movie theater and like sit down and watch this or like, I don't know. It be a have to watch, but I think you maybe could if it was free on Netflix, as a rental. I definitely did recommend this to someone though. I didn't say yeah. I didn't. Like I definitely like I don't know. I someone was like, hey, you watched anything recently? And I was like, actually I think that you'll love this movie, say save yourselves, because you're into the concept of getting off your phone and going into the woods. So uh <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna dig and then imagine if you did that and alien invasion happened. How great is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know Did the so. last two minutes land for anybody? Oh, that's what I was just about to ask. Yeah. It was a bit um, I I loved it. And then like nothing oh. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a concept I was like, that oh, this is I, so cool. And then the, they're just up there and they're like, are we saved? And then it kind of ends. I was like, hmm. that's part I of I felt my... like they wanted to take it to the furthest sci-fi concept, mm-hmm. but then that's all they wanted and they didn't figure out what to actually do. Yeah. That's where I, that's yeah, I'm not, I part of why I, I think I they, don't know what to I make of it. I think really. they would have benefited by pushing deeper into the, uh, sci-fi because that ending yeah everything about the ending is really cool but it just doesn't matter it has nothing to do with anything so yeah it doesn't matter that's a good point yeah, yeah but, i agree with sean completely about that like i love this oh the movie's over okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay going on with the rest of my day now yeah <laughs> so, um cool um so yeah uh that was save yourselves. I feel like we should move on to the next movie, but uh, yeah, again, like we're pretty uh, pretty good and mixed on this one. You know, it's uh, you know some of us thought it was very recommendable and uh, a good time. And uh, yep, Brandon, Derek, kind of like eh, maybe maybe if it's free. I mean, you guys didn't say that, but I read between the lines. <laughs> yeah, um, Derek said cool. that with his eyes. Yes, yes, because I can um, see him so- now. So going into um, our final movie choice is Brandon's. 
And how are we going to do this, man? So uh, you originally chose Hillbilly Elegy, the new Ron Ooh. Howard movie. And uh, you did that out of um, what you felt was um, peer pressure that someone yes. needed to cover that movie uh, because it's the new Ron Howard movie. And he's a big time director. And uh, we need to have at least one movie from a big time director. And then uh, the movie. Big cast. Yeah, and the big cast. Great Glenn Clo- Close, cast. Amy Adams, um, who's one of my all time favorite actresses. Like, I love Amy Adams. And then. Um, and the movie kind of started coming out. Buzz, you know, Buzz started coming out, and it was like, man, critics hate this movie. It's uh, one of the most reviled movies of the year. Um, so uh, you you promptly were like, hey, uh, I'm gonna you like you watched it. I watched it too. I don't think it was Derek free and, on Netflix. It was free and, yeah. on Netflix. So you know, we watched it, but then you you chose to switch your movie to a, a different one, uh, Possessor. Um, so. Um, Real quick, I do think that we should mention Hillbilly Elegy since we yeah. both watched it. Do you want to just like say really quick what, it's, why, why you didn't like it, and I could say what I thought about it, and then um, we can talk more. It's about an Possessor? awful movie um, on almost every level. Like Ron Howard forgot to, how to make a film during the production of this movie. It's uh, like scene to scene, things are rough, awkward, stumbling left and right. Um, it's just bad, and I was shocked. It's one of the worst movies I've seen this year, and I don't even the great cast couldn't save it. Yeah, there were some scenes where I just could not believe they were they were allowed to be in this movie. They were so rough, and I sent I sent recordings of a few of them for you. Um, yeah, what did you think, Nick? Not the audience. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you definitely hated it more than I did. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was as much of a train wreck as, um, other, other movies. You know, I've seen a lot of people on Letterboxd give it like one star and stuff. And I mean, I'd probably give it two and a half, honestly. Um, which for me, a three is like average movie. So, um, basically I just have it below average. I thought there was a lot of bad about it, but, um, I, I honestly think my, you know, my general opinion about Ron Howard is that he's like the most competent director. Like he doesn't really make great movies. He makes like good movies. Like he makes like the most solid movies. Like he knows how to make a solid movie. That's why they brought him in for solo when, uh, when they didn't like what, you know, creative, whatever creative force uh ben and miller were doing and uh is that who it was uh lord miller lord 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 miller uh lord miller um but yeah so uh, you know so i to me it was like a totally competent movie but um i just thought that the tone and the like perspective was was off you know um it's a movie about um being uh poor in uh Appalachia and the um I felt like the the thing was like Ron Howard I feel like has never been poor in his life and uh doesn't really totally understand that that perspective and couldn't really tell them tell that story in like in a in like a true sort of way and um I don't know I I just felt like I never got a sense of the place uh, um, and I felt like the place was supposed to be important. Like he kept talking, like the main character kept talking about place and, uh, I never it's really called got hillbilly this- eulogy and yeah. get such a little Elegy. sense of the strength of what that should mean. 
Like, that could have been anywhere. Like, as opposed to, like, I don't know, uh, the Pea and Barter Falcon, you know, which, like, mm-hmm. you definitely got a sense of that place. You know, like, that place had so much character, like, coming out of it. And this is, like, you know, like, it just it just felt like it could have been anywhere, honestly. And, um, yeah, you know, I thought that I, I did think that there was some good acting. I thought Glenn Close was actually pretty good in it. But, um, you know, the movie does the thing where, it, like, it, it's, like present day and then it does flashbacks and as the movie went along i thought the flashbacks were uh, pretty decent pretty good um but then i felt like the present day stuff was like pretty awful like i just like did not get into like the present day stuff like i couldn't understand what why he was doing like why the main character was doing the things that he was doing and stuff so um yeah uh not would not really recommend it um you know uh it, it kind of, to me, screams like awards bait. You know, it's kind of like I mentioned that earlier where it was like, you know, like Amy Adams hasn't ever won Best Actress. And it kind of felt like she's, you know, trying to be really dramatic to like get Best Actress. And it's yeah. like. But she still won't because I think this movie didn't fake anybody. Yeah. I don't think this one can beat. I think she has a better chance of winning a Razzie with this one than uh, I can. <laughs> uh, which is too bad. But yeah. um, anyway, let's go into Possessor which is the movie that you switched to. So, uh, yeah, take it away. Possessor. Um, this is Brandon Cronenberg's first film. His first he film. He has okay. one more. It up. He... Second film. Yeah. Anyways, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, legendary um, son of David Cronenberg, um, who is a very infamous director with a lot of horror films that are incredible. Um, this IMDb synopsis of this film is Possessor follows an agent who works for a circuitive organization that uses brain implant technologies to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. This concept is so, so cool. Um, it's always fun like diving into a sci-fi movie uh, that has like its world kind of figured out and its concepts figured out. And this one does a great job with it. Like, I feel like I could have watched like a 10 part series on this where every episode is a different assassination through this concept and it slowly builds a world around it. Like it is just so cool. So, so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So right away I was kind of hooked on that like story element of it. Um, I guess uh, this movie got a really a lot of really great buzz. Um, slash Filmcast raved about it. Um, I kind of wanted to contrast this with some of the movies we picked before. Yeah, it's still an indie, but it's way different than Kajillionaire and Save Yourselves and Forty Old Virgin. So uh, I was pretty happy to pick Possessor um, for something dark, sci-fi, and heavy as fuck. Um, so I'm glad this movie delivered on those fronts. Um, I thought the style of this film was really, really good when it got into the like cerebral mind melding visuals and the, uh, way they decided to like, I mean, it's right there on the poster, which is so creepy looking. Um, but when the movie goes there, it's just like visually super impressive. The lighting, the color grading, um, the blood, the gore. Everything they do, especially in Last Third, is pretty fascinating visually. Um, I think the movie, I've said this about a few today, the movie should have been longer. 
really should have been long. This movie was short. It was an hour and like 35 minutes um, before credits rolled. 45, I think, from what I remember. Before credits rolled. And uh, I think there was a moment in this film where someone edited it. Like It was when they teleported to the other person's like real life family and our main character was suddenly in a different part of the country or the world i don't know how we got there and there i felt like there was so much missing because what happened right after that in the climax was just like way too much for me to handle on the amount of the amount of fucked up stuff that still was that was about to happen once he did that i'm gonna keep saying teleporting um, I think the movie should have slowed down, given some time for those two characters' brains to like interact with each other, and then deliver on that really twisted climax, which I actually thought was a great climax, but I thought it just got there out of nowhere, and it was just more blood and more killing, and um, it kind of took me out of it. So that's kind of my mixed feelings. I was super into everything about this movie, except for that one thing knit to pick maybe it's more than a knit for me but in the same town because he, I mean, he I don't know, they said she had to get on a plane times. to go to work so i don't know where her work was or where this guy was if i would call it teleporting i don't i mean yeah he, it was just a smash cut yeah it was a smash cut and he traveled to you know her her place he had yeah they had place. done that he had traveled there earlier in the movie too and was able to go back home still that same night he was just like late getting home from work or whatever remember that david abbott she yeah he she he she yeah she he comes and, home and, and like his, his his uh girlfriend's having like a dinner party with her friends and she's like oh i almost called the cops because i was worried about you and that was he had gone to just like look at the family yeah. through the window it was when she was in control yeah so it must be it was just like a, a quick little montage Thing. There's a lot to think about in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and a I mean, lot it's to discuss. Hard to kind of keep track of the, the uh-huh. timeline, who's yeah. who. Um, I, I still don't have it all figured out. I so kind yeah, of. I, I, yeah, I kind of agree a little bit with you, Brandon. But it it's like the, the whole ending worked for me. I will like. I think this movie was an absolute visual feast, um, and, and that really is what um, what pulled me through it. Um, I like actually after I watched the movie, I, um, I talked to Kelly about it and I kind of told her, she asked what it was about and I kind of told her what it was about. And she was like, well, what's, I thought it was a horror, you know, like what's horror about it? It's just like, it's, you know, it's a really interesting sci-fi concept and a sci-fi premise, but then it's, it doesn't really sound much like a horror film. And then I like showed her a couple scenes and she's like, Oh, Oh shit. <laughs> and yeah, yeah it's it, it really is. It's a brutal. visual horror <laughs> Yeah. It's not really like a because I, I I kind of knowing a bit the pre- of the premise, knowing that it was expecting it to be a horror, and knowing the title of it, I thought it was going to be like the past possession people right. who she possessed were going to come back, and it kind of was and like start to haunt her, like actual possess actually start to possess her, like she was possessing them, and then you'd get all this creepy horror elements to it and it doesn't really go get into that but it's just it's a visual horror film and like the way that it does the violence and the blood and the way that it does like the 
the way that it portrays these super crazy abstract sci-fi psychological um, concepts in a entirely visual way is just is horrif- horrifying to watch. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty terrifying, um, but so creative and interesting and like. Yeah, it does kind of harken back to like his his dad, like um, with the fly, like the body horror and the way that the they do the practical effects in early David Cronen or in David Cronenberg movies, um, like in this movie with the the wax, yeah, um, the, wax the wax hands and face. hands and faces that melt, and then like when they're like their faces are like attached together and she they're like she's trying to pull herself out of his body and they visualize that through like Mm -hmm. her like disconnecting from his face and like ripping her face off of his face and um and yeah the way that they show anyway um, yeah that that was what really really worked for me and and really pulled me through the movie um i yeah I, i kind of agree brandon where it's like there wasn't much of a struggle. She was like, you knew that she was having troubles maintaining control over um, this possession, um, but you didn't really get a good sense of that struggle between her and him until maybe that one little quick thing where he walks into the room when it's you know when she's recalibrating or whatever. But like, yeah. Um, so yeah, that struggle wasn't really there. Um, but yeah, I think everything, everything else about the movie worked really well. Um, yeah. And I totally agree. This would be such a fun concept to do a series on for sure. Yeah. I mean, I echo everything you guys just said. Um, it's just a dark, like upsetting movie to get through. Like, (laughs) Um, I, I, I'm happy to see like how good this guy is though. Like, because across the board, like this is top notch filmmaking, like, and it's, it's cool to see, like, I feel like his, his dad, like in those kind of movies are kind of a rare, a rare breed of like someone that can, that has like the, the technique to like make a quality film, but also like loves like the practical like doing like practical horror stuff you know um i feel like that's kind of an older concept that's coming back now it's cool to see that like god like after watching this like he's like straight up to the top of like some of the best like this it's so yeah well his last film was eight years ago so yeah right we can wait till 2028 (laughs) it's like First, third. I don't, I don't know how career. well this is being received. Does anyone? I think, I it's think, I think critically, people are liking it a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you know, you can't really say how much money it makes or anything like that mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I think I critically, would people love have if been this talking about this his career. Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Derek, I mean, of, that's something. Yeah, it's that's hard, really something to think about. It's hard to like quantify where I stand on the movie. I know, like, I appreciate it a lot. Um, there's like, you know, pick any scene out of this movie. It's just, it's gorgeous, you know, but it's also like one of the most upsetting things I've seen in a long time. Um, and they, they, 
they took that step in like the final act of showing things that they don't normally show in movies cut before certain things happen in this movie. They're like, no, I mean, it's fucking dark. <laughs> like we're going to those places. And, um, and I think the main character's story arc, at least what they kind of allude to in the very end, um, is really dark and upsetting too. Um, but it's, you know, it's an interesting character for sure. But I don't know if you guys got without spoiling anything, I kind of got that because of how everything went down. Now she will be like the perfect agent kind of thing. Do you guys kind of get like, like they kind of hint at like she has these attachments that are holding her back throughout the whole movie. And like, um, they kind of hint at like, because she's so fucked up and so many bad things happen that like now she'll be even better at like doing the horrible things she does. It's kind of what I got from it. Um, which is an interesting, I think I was such in a daze that I didn't really get much, uh, story out of like the last final scene. Right. Um, I was just too fixated on the blood and gore and I would have to rewatch to see like what it meant right. for those two characters who were intertwined. Right. Well, I, I yeah, think I, I got still... something a little different from that too. I think um, that that definitely makes sense. Uh, the, when I was watching it, I got that um, it was because like the scene is is mirroring the scene in the opening of the movie where she she's like after coming out of it, she is uh, remembering what objects are are hers and what objects are not hers. And so it's I think she, as she was looking at this thing that she assumed was hers, she was questioning whether or not right it was hers that's kind of getting too too into right that's how i took that scene yeah i mean i did too i guess it's kind of like they they obviously didn't don't answer the question Mm -hmm. so um there's no i just noticed that those were her supposed to be her possessions as she is possessing other people i don't know oh Interesting. Are those her possessions? Is she possessing other people's Nick, possessions? You had to step away. Yeah, sorry, my um, yeah, I uh, I had a like, my, I didn't think the pa- I looked down and my computer was at four percent, even though it was plugged in, oh. and even said it was charging. And so well, we're was, we're now pretty far into the discussion of this movie. What did you even think to begin oh, with? Yeah. Well, um, honestly, I'm probably I'm probably the weakest on this movie at this point. Uh, yes, just, <laughs> we yeah, did it like, finally. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like I didn't hate it. Um, so um, I watched it for horror movie month. So it's been a few weeks, you know, since I've seen it. But um, so, uh, like I said, I watched a few Cronenberg movies over uh, over. Um, over horror movie month. And, um, I have kind of a weird, um, I don't want to say relationship with Cronenberg, but like, I, um, just, I mean, his father, you know, David Cronenberg, but like, you know, the fly is one of my favorite horror movies. Like I love the fly. And then, um, a few years back I watched Videodrome, which was like, um, which is another one of his like most acclaimed movies. And, uh, I thought it was amazing. Like the, um, the special effects, the weird story, just the whole vibe of it. I thought was great filmmaking, 
but like I don't even like thinking about that movie. Like it has like a just a it just has like a gray tone in my head. Like I just I don't think I could recommend it to anyone. I don't ever want to like watch it again. I don't even really like talking about it. like just talking about it right now even honestly makes me a little uncomfortable. But maybe that was even part of the point of the movie. Like it's just kind of a just kind of weird movie that way. And um this horror movie month, like I, I, I kind of fell in love with Cronenberg. Like I watched uh, The Brood, which is like becoming one of my favorite horror movies. Like I watched Scanners, where the dude's head blows up, fucking so good. And uh, so then I was, you know, so then I was like Possessor. It's getting great reviews. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. And to me, Possessor had kind of the same vibe as um, the other one, Videodrome where it's, like, it's pretty, like, gray most of the movie. Not, like, color-wise, but, like, it's just, like, a... It's a pretty dour movie, and uh, it's really slow, and it's just kind of, like... It's kind of moody with some really awesome special effects and and a whole sci-fi plot. And, uh, you know, looking at the plot on paper, you know, is it's super interesting. Like, I love the world that they set up. I love that it's about... Um, I like, I love how when she does possess that guy... Um, the Josh Hartnett lookalike, uh, he, he like, um, his job is to like, basically like work for someone like Google or something, but he's like just basically spying into webcams doing data mining. And he's like looking into different people's rooms and like examining their curtains or whatever. And, uh, that's like a pretty like interesting concept, you know, but you know, the movie like doesn't really care about that. You know, the, I, feel, I feel like the movie hardly cares about anything. Honestly, I feel like it's like it's set and it sets up all these things and it creates a really interesting world. But really, it's like about like the possessor, the possessing sort of like concept. It like sticks to its concept. And um, you know, I echo everything you guys said. I love the special effects. Super great. It's really, really interesting stuff. Um. But I'm also, like, echoing what Derek said, where, like, the ending was kind of too upsetting for me, honestly, where, like, the, um, you know, I love horror movies, like, and, like, what I took out of my last horror movie month, I don't mean to be, like, talking about horror movie month too much, but, like, what I took out of it, my lesson learned was... I need to watch more horror movies. Like I love this genre too much to only watch in October. You know, like I should be watching <laughs> horror movies all the time. Cause like I get so much out of the creativity of horror movies. And that, that's what this movie was. Like it was so much creativity like in one place, but like the tone didn't, didn't vibe for me. Like the tone didn't work for me. Um, it made me uncomfortable and the movie might've been trying to do these things, but I, I didn't like that. And uh, the ending was too brutal. And uh, I, I've heard of this happening. And I mean, I've been talking about for years, you know, my my lane is two and a half. And, you know, ever since she's been born, she was born, I'm like sensitive about certain things. And um, I've heard about this happening with horror movies, though, specifically where people like they can't appreciate aspects of horror the same way as they that they used to because of certain sensitivities and like I, I have that sensitivity. And so right when that happened, I was like, fuck this movie, <laughs> you know, like I was like, I was just totally like, not a fan, not a fan. Don't like this. And, uh, it kind of like connected all the pieces of the gray vibe, the like dourness, just like the whole thing kind of just like, was like, okay, now, now when I think back to that movie, I don't think about the sci, the sci-fi concept. I don't think about the cool stuff. Like, you know, I don't think about special effects. Hell, I'll go back to watch the brood like a hundred times before I'll watch, before I'll think about this movie again, you know, just because like, you know, it just 
I don't know. There's watch there's, the Nightingale a hundred more times before you go back to this movie. Man, the Nightingale was also extremely upsetting, but at least that was like a revenge movie, you know, like, and I could like look away for that one shot and you could feel it coming. And this movie was like, that was a climax, you know, like that was like yeah, yeah. Yeah. the point of the movie in some ways. But, um, yeah. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you though about Brandon Cronenberg though. Like I'm pretty, pretty interesting, interested in what he does next. And I hope that he keeps making movies. And like, honestly, if he's anything like his dad, of course he's going to make movies like this, you know, like, like looking at David Cronenberg's filmography. Yeah. There's like a few movies that are like top of body horror, like great, great movies. And then there's like, like, you know, video drum works for a lot of people, but it doesn't really work for me. But then like, there's other movies like crash. They're just kind of weird. Like what, what was that? Like people getting erotic, you know, getting turned on by car accidents. Like what? And so, you know, I, I hope that Brandon Cronenberg keeps making movies cause I will be very interested. I just, uh, I just don't think I'll ever watch this movie again or talk about it very much. Yeah. I like to think that there's, that that's like a line that like filmmakers have to decide if they're willing to cross it because it is something, especially like if you have children stuff, it gets in great. Like you don't want to see that kind of imagery because that's, yeah, it'll ruin the whole movie for you. And so I think it, that is like a choice you have to make. Like, are you okay with knowing that this could like just immediately be the only thing anyone thinks about when they think of your film. There could be a fairly large part of your audience that feels that way, you know? Yeah, and I mean, so me and Shan like, were just watching Titanic. Me and Shan were just watching Titanic and, uh, there was like, they definitely show like a dead baby in the freezing <laughs> cold water, you know? And it's like, yeah. it was, we were both like, ah, you know, and, <laughs> you know, the um, children curling up on the bed as the water's yeah. sweeping under them. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. 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 But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I feel so, like yeah. uh, when you make a movie like Possessor, you're not making it for any everyone. Like, right. Even without that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I'm very aware of that. And like, I know, yeah. I, I, you know, watching horror movies, I'm aware that like, I'm going to see some fucked up stuff, you know? And I, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't mind most of it. Like I love body horror. I love like, like I get like excited when there's like blood and guts in movies. But, um, it was like more of like the combination of like the, the slow vibe and, and the climax that uh, I have to say, I, I loved that ending. Just the twist of that ending. I'm not going to say it, but yeah. I, I really like that twist, like watching it. And then the kid says the thing. I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. plot wise, really cool. I think like they, it kind of softens the blow. Like, I mean, it's still really upsetting, but I think they did a good job at like, it's like there is like a worthwhile, like cool thing we're doing with this. At least it's not just like Mm -hmm. a throwaway shock value thing. It is like definitely there for shock value, but at Mm -hmm. least they kind of do something with it. It's not just like a completely just I'm edgy. Look what I'm doing. Yeah, totally. So I kind of appreciate that a little bit. But anyway, so it's good. I really like the movie. So, uh, Possessor, um, it's available for digital rental. Um, if you're into uh, body horror and some really messed up stuff, um, very much recommend um, from these three, right? Yeah. Um, cool sci-fi body horror, interesting stuff. Possessor. 
Um, so with that, uh, let's uh, close up the episode real quick. I want to do something different for this episode, guys. Uh, what was your favorite uh, or best of the uh, of the four movies we talked about uh, this this month, Brandon? Cajillionaire with Possessor close second. Okay, Derek. Uh, Cajillionaire by quite a bit right. for me. Sean, I mean, my favorite would be Save Yourselves. I, lo- okay. I really like Possessor, though. Cool. Possessor probably the most interesting. Yeah. I think I said mine earlier. I, um, I, I think Save Yourself was maybe my favorite, but Cajillionaire uh, was probably a bit, was definitely a better movie. Mm. Um, okay, cool. Well, um, real quick, we're, let's uh, go over what movies uh, we're going to do for next month. Uh, so we're going to do it a little bit different next month. I think we're actually going to record early. Um, so because there's a bunch of movies coming out in December, it's a big movie month. It's all getting exciting guys. Even though the theater isn't coming, we can't go to the theater. We're still like, there's some big movies coming out. I'm so excited for December. I'm so all year for this. I'm so excited to have an exciting month for movies. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to do our, um, we're going to do, uh, four movies that come out early in December, and then we're we're not going to then we're not going to do the movies that come out around Christmas, and then we'll do another episode uh, early January um, for uh, some of those Christmas movies. So, um, Sean, what movie are you picking? Uh, I am going. I am picking the movie Wolf Walkers. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, so I actually um, I. Let me let me pull up his information real quick. I I didn't come prepared. Uh, Tom Moore is the director. Um, who uh, some of his other movies are the uh, Song of the Sea and The Secret of Kells, which I've I've seen both of them before, and I actually recently rewatched both of them. And I just like I love these movies so much, um, especially Secret of Kells. Like I just I just like a couple weeks ago rewatched it and. My God, that movie is so good. Um, so I'm really excited for Wolfwalkers. Also, uh, the studio did uh, The Breadwinner. Um, uh, the, I saw that one. The, um, Academy Award uh, winning? Afghani, uh, what's that? Did it win? No, it, it got nominated though, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, The Breadwinner, um, the Afghan uh, movie. They, the studio did the animation for that as well. Um, but yeah, this, I'm just really excited for this movie. Uh, the premise is a young apprentice hunter and her father journey to Ireland to help wipe out the last wolf pack. But everything changes when she befriends a free spirited girl from mysterious tribe rumored to transform into wolves at night. Um, yeah, interesting. So really excited about that movie. I've been well, wanting to Apple TV Plus free. I thought this movie was coming out in like October, so I was going to pick it in October or or yeah, even September or something. But yeah, well, I think it did come out in theaters, yeah. select theaters. Yeah. But uh, now it'll be available it on Apple TV Plus. So, yeah. uh, Brandon, what movie are you picking? I am picking a film called The Nest. Um, this is a film by Sean Durkin. Um, he did this uh, really f- big, critically acclaimed film, uh, Mother Mary Marcy. Martha Mercy. Martha <laughs> M- Mercy May, May Marine, which people really love. Anyway, it's supposed to be a great director. It's starring Jude Law and Carrie Coon. Um, interesting cast. Um, slash film cast podcast loved the hell out of it. It was literally one of the most 
raved reviews they've I've heard them do all around. All four people on that episode were like obsessed with it. Um, so I'm excited for all those reasons. Can't wait. Um, and it's just a video on demand uh, rental anywhere. Okay. Oh yeah, cool. Wolf Walkers is Apple TV Plus. If we didn't say that, did we say that? I, don't know. I said it. I don't think okay. you said it. But uh, Derek, what about you? Uh, I am finally. We are all finally. I don't think any of us have seen Tenet yet, right? Yeah. So finally, no. Tenet's coming home or coming to home video. Um, Christopher Nolan's who's like the movie everyone was banking on uh, bringing back the film industry. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it's coming home. So we're all going to watch that and, uh, we're watching it cause Christopher Nolan. Yeah. We're, uh, we're breaking, uh, Christopher Nolan's heart by, uh, all watching it, uh, mm-hmm. at our homes instead yeah. of in the theater. But, um, you know, Chris, it wasn't safe for us to go back. Um, so we, uh, it was our fault. We didn't, uh, we failed at COVID and yeah, we didn't, we didn't, yeah. uh, we didn't earn this it. Is, yeah, um, we did not earn it. As a society, so we, we yeah. can't see in theaters, so hearts are broken. This is our punishment. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited, though. Tenet, uh, yeah, so we'll be able to watch that on video on demand or Blu-ray or, or whatever because it'll be available. Um, uh, I'm picking the movie Mank. Um, it is David Fincher's new movie, who's uh, one of my uh, favorite directors. Um, he did uh, The Social Network and Fight Club and Seven, uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, bunch of great movies. And uh, this movie is going to be right up on Netflix. Um, so speaking of um, Orson Welles, uh, this movie is about uh, the writing, the writer of uh, Citizen Kane. So, um, you know, I don't really know much more about it, but uh, it's going to be on Netflix. And um, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited about this movie. It's like head-to-head battle. Like, we always talk about, for some reason, I was just Nolan thinking that. It's so weird that they tend uh, to... Fincher totally go, like, head-to-head a lot. Yeah. They come Who's out. better, Nolan or Fincher? Yeah. We always talk about It's like about always that. a thing. Now, same month. Same month. This yeah. will determine it. This is I, it. This is the deciding we, factor. At some point, we made a list. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> guys, if Derek and Brandon... Yeah, okay. We it's made like a, a list that it was like... It was like uh, David Fincher and Chris Nolan power ranking like just their movies it's together. I think they have the same quantity of films too. They're like hmm. almost They're one pretty for close. one all the time. Yeah, Fincher, Fincher kind of uh, hasn't made one. Yeah, in a he few did years, some TV so for a while. I know, but mm. yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it'll be fun. So yeah, I'm it's excited fun for this one though. Yeah. I love Fincher. So um, this okay, feels cool. so then, different for Fincher too. So it'll be interesting. Um, so and then yeah, for does. film club, our last thing is our film club segment, um, and it's we did our we did four, all four of us. So now it's back to Sean who did our first film club segment. Uh, Sean, which movie are you going to force us to watch? Um, I am going to force you. I think you guys know. Um, I was I wasn't so subtle about it uh, earlier in the month when I asked you guys, but uh, I'm going to do another animated movie. A uh, one of the great animators uh, of all time, his first movie, uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Uh, this is, I, I was so surprised that, I, I was just looking at it on Letterboxd and none of you guys had had reviewed it or, or put it on there. And then I texted you guys and asked if any of you had seen it and none of you guys had seen it. I was super That's surprised. Cool. I'm excited. Uh, it's my third favorite Miyazaki movie and... 
Um, After Spirited Away, yeah. So I mean, my power okay. ranker, my power ranking is uh, is Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Nausicaa. Nausicaa. And cool. Totally. Hey, is this appropriate? Yeah. Is this movie appropriate to watch with my uh, my two and a half year old? Because she's yep. obsessed with my neighbor Totoro right now. Like, um, it's with it's her. more. St- so I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely appropriate. Um, it's it's a more heavy, or it's not heavy, but it's like it's not as kitty as my neighbor Totoro. It's um, it's his pretty much his only sci-fi movie. Like I know castle in the sky is kind of sci-fi, but it's, it's also very fantasy. Um, but yeah, it's his only sci-fi movie. Um, it's his first film feature film. And I really strongly think that if the, if he had done this later in his career, it would probably be his best film. Um, Mm. and yeah, I just, I absolutely love the movie. Can't wait. Um, this should be on pick. HBO Max then, right? They have yeah, this it's, whole a, it's on HBO Max. Yeah. So. Nice. Nice. You got, got it, Nick. Yes. Really excited. All right. Cool. Well, great. Uh, great episode, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, sticking with and uh, watching these movies. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for next month. Uh, so this has been the Monthly Movie Dispatch. And y'all keep watching. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.